Welcome to Meet, Act, and Part, a Masonic podcast hosted by Midnight Freemasons, Greg Knott, Darren Larners, Todd Friesen, and Bill Hostler. everybody and welcome to another exciting episode of Meet, Act, and Part. This is episode 39, what we did on our summer vacation. And uh, let's introduce ourselves. I'm one of your co-hosts. My name is Greg Knott. Hi, I'm your other co-host, Darren Laners. So just kind of like when you go back to the you know first day of school in the fall, you see all your friends again. They ask you what you did over the summer. You exchange stories and say, you know, when you're a kid, maybe you go to grandma's house for the summer or whatever. But Darren and I thought, well, we'd share some of our adventures from the summer because we both did a number of things, uh, had different experiences, and masonry was kind of interloped in between uh, all of them. So we're going to do that. And so we hope you enjoy it. It's kind of a laid back episode, but it's a fun one. We'll just share some of our observations of what we saw. And what we learned and maybe inspire you to go see some of these places that we will talk about. So, Darren, why don't we start with you? Because you actually you kind of think of some of the timelines of our trips. We'll talk about uh, your first one. Then we'll talk about maybe my trip to Cleveland. We'll come back, talk about your trip out west and see where else we go. So let me pass it to you, Darren. You had a sound like what was a really fabulous trip to the East Coast to, to visit Philadelphia and some other places. Yeah, thanks, Greg. At the beginning of August, I uh, took a trip with my girlfriend, Lisa, out to York, Pennsylvania. She has a friend, Jamie, who lives out there and uh, just kind of on a whim. We hopped in a car uh, literally Friday afternoon and uh, drove straight to York, PA. I think we arrived about 3 a.m., and it was the end of July. On the 1st of August, we went to Gettysburg. And, of course, I had been to Gettysburg before, but I had never, uh, when I went, I wasn't a Freemason. And, as I recall, we did not go to the National Cemetery there. So I didn't get to see the Friend to Friend uh, Memorial, which is... Uh, a memorial which is situated in the Gettysburg National Cemetery. It was put up by the Grand Lodge of Pennsylvania, and it basically tells the story of uh, General Lewis Ar Armistead and his relationship with uh, General Winfield Scott, who was a Union general. Armistead was a Confederate general. And uh, basically both of them served prior to the Civil War in Mexico together, and I believe uh, what happened was when the war broke out in 1861, Armistead chose to go with the Confederates and his fellow Southerners. Hancock was from the North, so he went to the Union, and they ended up meeting at uh, Gettysburg. The sculpture depicts uh, Union Captain Henry Bingham, who was a Mason, and he was the staff assistant to General Hancock nursing and rendering aid to uh, General Armistead. Armistead was wounded in Pickett's Charge, and there's uh, a Northern Masonic Scottish Rite degree, and Greg, you may have to help me out here. I don't remember which degree number it is, but it tells the story uh, quite eloquently within the degree. And uh, the Masonic uh, Memorial is there, uh, as I said, and it has a beautiful uh, sculpture of Bingham administering aid to Armistead. Yeah, and I'm trying to look up, see which one that is. It is a fabulous degree. It is the 26th degree. So, uh, unofficial name is the Civil War degree. The, quote, official name is the Prince of Mercy. and uh, it's actually one of my favorite degrees in, in the Scottish Rite because it's just such a well-written uh, degree. And that that's a fabulous uh, statue. It's a, I mean, it's just, it really draws you in when you see it. I've, I've seen it a couple of times. And just the, the whole story, 
I don't know how accurate exactly the story is, but it doesn't matter. It's what it depicts. People from different sides coming together under the auspice of Freemasonry to, to help one another. And uh, it's just a, it's a fabulous uh, statue and just, frankly, one of the better ones in, in Gettysburg. And there's just some awesome memorials here. Yeah, I believe that uh, a lot of uh, Masonic research has found that the story is pretty much false but as you said it uh, it it's uh is the 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 moral or the the, the meaning behind the story of you know these and uh, let's face it uh, there were masonic brothers on both sides uh, case in point uh, when we were in uh when we were in Kentucky this past weekend, we at uh, the Land Between the Lakes Visitor Center, there was a photograph of a Confederate soldier who was returning to Kentucky. And uh, I just happened to see that he was wearing Masonic aprons. So, uh, you know, there were brothers on both sides. Uh, basically, you know, the idea is that... Uh, Hopefully that brothers, you know, when they did meet on the battlefield or if they were wounded, they did administer aid to each other. And uh, I think that's a beautiful thing. So and a lesson that can be learned. It is. And there's a, a great book. Actually, I've had it for a while and ended up listening to it on Audible on one of my road trips. The Better Angels of Our Nature, Freemasonry, the American Civil War. It was written by Michael Halloran. And, uh, who I've met several times. He's the former Grand Master of Kansas. But in this book, in the preface, he actually covers the story behind the, uh, friend to friend memorial. And Darren, as you said, he kind of debunks, you know, a lot of it. But in the, in the rest of the book, he just lays out example after example of true stories of Freemasons on each side that came to each other's aid. And it's, it's really a remarkable book. And, you know, I think as we, as you said, Darren, and we both said, you know, the, the statue illustrates an allegory, allegorical story of people helping each other and coming to the aid of one another because they're brothers in this fraternity. But the, the rest of the book really just, lays out numerous examples of on the battlefield and several of them in Gettysburg about, you know, friends that came to the aid of each other, even though they were on opposite sides of the conflict. Yeah, absolutely. So after, uh, after seeing the cemetery, we strolled the, the battlefield a, a little bit and I had not been to Gettysburg since mid two thousands. So, uh, I had not been to the new visitor center, uh, and seeing kind of what they had done to the battlefield. Uh, they've put some, I, I think, one-way roads through the battlefield, which I think takes away a little bit from it, because as I recall, um, previously I don't think they were there, and maybe my memory is just failing me. But in any case, I could spend literally days looking at all the monuments at, at Gettysburg, and uh, we only uh, were there for a few hours, unfortunately. but. Um, Got to see uh, some of the, the highlights of it, and I've noticed that they've redone quite a few of the, the uh, unit memorials as well. I noticed that, too. They were, you know, most of them would be over 100 years old. They were, you know, a lot of them were put up right at the end of the 1800s, early 1900s, as the soldiers from that war started to pass away. I think there was a sense of urgency to recognize what they did and, and ensure they weren't forgotten. So you're right there. Those memorials would be to the stage they would have needed to be restored if they were going to survive. Yeah. One of the things that I, that really fascinated me and I knew a little bit and I guess I had forgotten this, but some of the state seals are really fascinating with the symbology that are in them, especially New York's. And I'd, I'd urge you to go, look at the state uh, seal of New York and, and take a look at it and just kind of look at some of the esoteric uh, uh, symbolism that's present there. Uh, there's quite a bit, uh, you know, hidden in plain sight. So that was that was fascinating me as well. Yeah. So after Gettysburg, your adventure really was just beginning. Where else did you take off after that? 
So after Gettysburg, the next day uh, we went to, to Philadelphia and we spent the next two days in Philadelphia. The, the first day we went to Independence Hall and saw the, the Liberty Bell and uh, just kind of walked around that area. We went to Edgar Allan Poe's uh, home when he lived there in Philadelphia. We saw the Love Statue. And and then we went to, uh, we actually, neither Lisa and I had ever been to Delaware, so we drove to Delaware, and we ended up in Newcastle, Delaware, which was the landing place of William Penn, believe it or not. So uh, William Penn landed in that uh, particular town in Delaware on October 27th, 1682. So there was a statue dedicated to William Penn there, but while strolling uh, through the local church cemetery, I found uh, the grave of, well, not a mason, uh, George Reed, who was, uh, George Reed was a member of the Congress of the Revolution, the convention of the, Const- the Constitutional Convention, uh, the first, he was a member of the first unit, the Senate underneath it, a judge of the Admiralty. Uh, President and Chief Justice of Delaware and a signer of the Declaration of Independence. So that was pretty neat find. Uh, and that was at the Emanuel Episcopal Church on the Green in Newcastle, Delaware. Uh, and then the next day was really probably in my mind the highlight of the trip because we went back to Philadelphia and I was able to tour the, uh, the Grand Lodge building there. And if you've never seen this building, uh, you, you have to go to the, the Masonic Temple in Philadelphia. It is, uh, in my opinion, the, the best Masonic building I have been in in the United States. And this is, you know, I've been in a few now and it, it, uh, puts the, I mean, it, it is, magnificent as the house of the temple is, this building is even more so. So it's, uh, it uh, is just amazing, and Greg, I know we, I I had that uh, I showed that presentation of you, and you kind of saw some of the rooms and some of uh, what what's there. But it, I I mean, it just the the pictures don't do it justice. It is just an immaculately building. Even the pictures you showed at at our lodge meeting, it was simply stunning, and you simply cannot duplicate those buildings today at any reasonable cost and every detail was covered in those lodge rooms each of the lodge rooms was distinct in in its own uh thematic area and just the you know the awe of when you walk in and to really think that that building was specifically built to support the efforts of our fraternity and it also speaks to me to what the brethren, how highly they thought of the fraternity to invest that kind of money and time and effort into a structure that just is, is really timeless in regards to its impact on the craft. And it's, it just speaks to a time and era to me, you know, when, you know, the fraternity must have meant more to more people. And, it, and that's not to degrade where we are today. It just, I think, you know, things have changed. The emphasis has changed. But I, that's one of the buildings that's on my list. That and I need to go see Detroit and, uh, a couple others. But that one, Darren, the pictures you showed were just astounding. Yeah. It's, uh, as I said, uh, I can't, uh, I can't, words can't describe the, the magnificence of that building. Uh, after that, we went to the uh, Metropolitan Museum of Art there, which uh, is basically the the steps that Rocky um, climbed up in the movie. There's a statue to Rocky uh, nearby there that you can get your picture taken of, and you can climb the steps. And then after doing that, we went to Valley Forge, which was also very interesting. Uh, there at Valley Forge... Uh, there's a, I forget the exact name, but there's a arch basically that's dedicated to the officers and private soldiers of the Continental Army, uh, that spent their time there, uh, through the winter of 77 into summer of 70, uh, 1778. And, uh, that particular arch was also 
I guess I, I'll say funded by or dedicated by the Grand Lodge of Pennsylvania. So they they have uh, they have uh, I think a, a lot of uh, funds uh, to be able to uh, you know do such uh, wonderful architectural works, but. That was pretty uh, spectacular to see that and then to see the Masonic, you know, dedications uh, nearby it as well. And then just to kind of see Valley Forge and, and uh, kind of try to understand the, the dire situation our army, uh, Revolutionary Army was in, you know, during that, that time. You know, what fascinates me uh, reading about not only, you know, Revolutionary War, but, but a lot of... Uh, of uh, American history, you know, when it comes to, you know, the Revolutionary War, even War of 1812 or the, the Civil War is how much, how much luck, uh, was, was involved in some of the things that, that happened, you know, they're, they're just, uh, just kind of, uh, makes you wonder sometimes if, you know, Manly P. Hall was onto something when he wrote about the secret destiny of America. You know, was America destined to, to be a country? Because there are a lot of, a lot of the stuff that happens, uh, is a little just too coincidental. You have to think that there might be some divine providence involved. And I'm not one to, you know, say that lightly, but I, you just, uh, you just have to have to wonder that. Yeah, I've, I've wondered the same thing. And I, I think there was some destiny to be had in the formation of this country. Uh, certainly not everything we've done in this country is perfect. And again, we won't get onto a big political rant tonight, but, uh, what's most interesting, uh, Darren, in all those places you just mentioned is how Freemasonry can be interwoven into all of that. You know, the country is not formed because of Freemasonry. The Civil War wasn't won because of Freemasonry. Certain battles weren't won or lost because of Freemasonry, yet it was prominent members of this fraternity who I am convinced, you know, at least took some of those ideals they learned in a lodge room and applied them in, in battle and in, in politics and uh, industry and other things that uh, we talk about. They just go hand in hand. Again, it's not because of being a Freemason, but I think it is some of those ideals that we stand for that those men, you know, put into use that helped really found this country, sustain this country, grew this country. Even to this day, the leaders of our uh, fraternity, maybe not as prominent as they were in past generations, still every day are making an impact. And it's just, to me, they're, it's intertwined. And, and I think just the, the little trip you just mentioned, all those places were intertwined with the fraternity and the craft and the, the value you stand for. Yeah, and I, I know I, I want to talk about your trip to Cleveland, but before we do, I kind of want to talk about some other highlights of the month, um, which I think I'd be remiss if I didn't mention our meeting in Homer that occurred on 16th of August. And uh, we had the, the honor and privilege of having our good friend Steve Harrison come speak to the lodge there at Homer and uh, also... Uh, had the privilege of having uh, Robert Johnson of the Once Gaming Podcast and a big supporter of our podcast, and of course uh, my fellow editor on the Midnight Freemason blog and fellow contributor to um, Beyond the Fourth Veil uh, YouTube channel. Uh, shameless plug there uh, for for that, but just having Robert down here and getting to to spend some one on time one time with him. And uh, seeing Steve again, obviously, was fantastic. I wrote an article about uh, the meeting for the Midnight Freemasons blog, if you guys want to check it out. And uh, Steve talked a little bit about that article that I'd wrote in his latest Masonic Minute on the Once Came You podcast this week. So uh, that was a big honor for me. And uh, I spoke privately with Steve, uh, just thanking him for, you know, for the kind words, and uh, you know, he, he is, Steve is genuine, is is a man that you'll ever meet, and uh, absolutely said he meant every word. So it's a, a big, uh, big honor uh, for me. And uh, once again, Steve, just thank you again for everything that that you do and continue to do for Freemasonry, and and you as well, RJ. Uh, so thank you both for taking time out of your schedule to come come visit us. Yeah, absolutely. A great evening. And, uh, Steve's talk was, 
about Freemasonry crosses the Mississippi. And it goes hand in hand with what we were just talking about in regards to history. And it was a fascinating talk about how the Grand Lodge of Missouri, its impact on Freemasonry in uh, several states, including Illinois. And again, the movers and shakers early in the fraternity were prominent people. They may have been the governor of a state or a future governor. And Steve painted that picture right out about the the real early history of part of our state and and it really makes you think again darren almost like you mentioned was it a a divine providence that all this just happened i don't know but uh nonetheless yeah steve gave gave a a great talk and both steve and rj became honorary members of homer lodge 199 which means that darren and rj and steve and myself and todd creason another contributor to the uh, midnight freemasons and uh, an occasional guest host on here are all in the same lodge, which I think is cool. And Darren, you did a great job of uh, putting that on, and it just uh, it was a really a, a fabulous night. So that was great. And thank you to Steve and RJ for coming down and coming over to Homer and uh, being part of that very unique celebration. So good job on that. So what else did we do this summer? Well, uh, Darren mentioned uh, I went to Cleveland. And the uh, Supreme Council uh, meeting for the Northern Masonic Jurisdiction was to be held in Cleveland, and it was. It, it was uh, really the first convention I'd been to since pre-COVID, and as Darren knows, I've been to a bunch of them for various things in my career. So it was uh, good to be with a group of people again, and uh, I had the honor of receiving the 33rd degree, and so I thought I'd talk a little bit about uh, that whole experience, it was unique. It it, uh, it exceeded my expectations a, a hundredfold, and I was excited about going. I knew it would be d- well done, but the entire trip was just class A. Uh, they treated us like royalty from beginning to end, and uh, you know, Frankly, some of the things that we they did there, we need to emulate in our own Blue Lodges about our candidates there and in, in our own local valleys for Scottish Rite. But, uh, so what we did, we got there, tagged up with other members of the Valley of Danville. So myself, Mike Poor, and Mike Gill uh, all became, uh, received the uh, 33rd degree. And uh, it was just... I won't talk about the degree itself other than to say, wow, what an experience it was, but just the entire thing about how you were treated, how you were uh, interacted with other brothers. And so you, you just to be, get there from the beginning, so you check in, uh, you get a, you know, in this case, a, a box of goodies, and it was just a, a fabulous box that was created by Supreme Council. First time they've done it, evidently. And it had, you know, some uh, trinkets in it and uh, a guide and a schedule of what was going to happen, our name IDs. Uh, they also gave us at that particular time the 33rd degree uh, certificate or diploma, charter, whatever you want to call it. And it was, uh, and they packaged it up so we could bring it home. We signed the book, uh, which is what every candidate has signed that has come through the Northern Masonic jurisdiction. So, very humbling to sign that book where hundreds before me had signed. And I think of a lot of them were prominent people and a lot of them, most of them weren't. But the beauty of it is where we were all equal and on the level. In our class, there was about uh, 287 people, I think, in this class. And uh, the degree itself, of course, is like other Scottish Rite degrees where it was done in a theater format and we were all, the class was there and, uh, the class exemplar uh, was on the stage. In this case, it was uh, Harry Truman's grandson, Clifton Truman uh, Daniels. And he was the, uh, like I said, the class uh, exemplar. I got to meet him. I spoke with him. He's actually from Illinois, the Valley of Chicago. And so he actually does. He didn't do it here, but he, he actually uh, has a, a one-person stage play of his grandfather. And, of course, his grandfather again, Harry Truman, 33rd degree, 
the 33rd president, former grandmaster of Missouri. But he uh, he portrays his grandfather, and that's something I want to see at some point uh, as well. Other things we did during that excursion, of course, uh, Brooke, my wife, went, and she attended everything with me except for the degree itself. And, and they had activities for uh, for her uh, when, you know, when she wasn't with us in that group. We went to several dinners. They had a candidate's dinner that was fabulous. They had, <laughs> I told, I was telling somebody, I think they had nine or ten bars around the room. So imagine over 500 people in this banquet hall. A, a great meal that was served uh, to us at the table. And, you know, one thing with COVID going on is like every place across the country, that you know, they didn't have probably the amount of help they wanted. Tell you what, though, the wait staff went above and beyond to ensure that our experience was top notch. And we, we had a, another night, we had an Illinois dinner. And uh, it was fun because Greg Clark, who's the, the deputy for Illinois and former grandmaster of Illinois, he made specific mention to thank the wait staff and the kitchen staff and, you know, told them, look, we know you're shorthanded and we just super appreciate everything you're doing. I remember I was coming down on the elevator uh, one day uh, and it, one of the uh, staff members stepped on and, you know, you're kind of killing time as you come down from, I think we we're on the 26th floor coming down to one. And I just looked there and I said, you know what? Thank you for everything you're doing. I appreciate the work you're doing. I, I know you're shorthanded. And you know what? I could tell it made her day. And uh, all of a sudden, we were just talking about all kinds of stuff. And, you know, I think that's just a, a simple example of, hey, say thanks to somebody, especially, you know, in these uh, tense times when may, people might feel uh, underappreciated. Other things that happened, they had a, a marketplace that was great, had some uh, good vendors, and I probably spent too much money, which is my normal course in those things, buying shirts and a jacket and a hat and whatever else. They, uh, they being the Supreme Council, Northern Masonic Jurisdiction, also rolled out a new marketing campaign. If listeners may recall, they, they did the uh, Not Just a Man and a Mason campaign that has been overwhelmingly successful. It's been adopted by nearly every Grand Lodge in the United States and many across the world because they've provided marketing materials and, and whatever. But they've also now said, well, we're going to keep that campaign, but we're going to add another one. It's called Journey On. It'll be rolled out later this fall, if it hasn't already. They have put together some videos that we saw. They're short clips that, again, valleys can use on social media and other places that exemplify the six core degrees of the Scottish Rite. And uh, that was one thing that uh, those six core values were emphasized over and over during the four days we were there. In the convention area, they had, um, you know, large posters with, uh, you know, one core value per sign, reemphasizing, you know, what the Scottish Rite stood for. We talked about them. Uh, you know, at the dinners, uh, in other places. And so it was, it was really the whole experience just reinforced for me what a great organization Scottish Rite is. The, the meetings themselves were held in the Cleveland Convention Center, which I had never been to. I'd never really been to Cleveland other than just passed it on the interstate. Uh, it's uh, on one of the Great Lakes. So it's just a beautiful waterfront. Another night, we rented the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And boy, what a fabulous museum that is. And especially to have it just to ourselves. There's about 1,700 attendees, uh, at the, at the, at the Supreme Council meeting. And a lot of them, uh, came to there. And, uh, Scottish Rite did a great job with logistics in terms of buses and bringing people from the various hotels to the venue and, and ensuring everybody could get to where they needed to be on time. Everything was on time. Everything was on schedule. It, I mean, I don't think I could have had a, a really a, a better experience. Brooke and I walked around some of uh, Cleveland and saw, you know, some of the waterfront area. My, again, my uh, brothers from uh, Danville. Uh, I, I said Mike Gill earlier. It's actually Bob Gill. Uh, he got, he and Mike and I all got the 33rd degree. And then our brothers from there always ensured that we were taken out for breakfast or 
you know, other we went to a comedy club together. We had a private venue at the Great Lakes Brewery that Sean McBride, our commander in chief for the Valley of Danville this year, arranged. And uh, again, just everything was just far exceeded any expectation I had. And I had high expectations going. And so to exceed some, you know, feeling like that was just a, uh, was just a great experience. Yeah, it's, uh, as I know, we've privately spoken, but, uh, you know, I'll reiterate uh, how deserving I believe you are of that, uh, that honorary, uh, degree, Greg. And, uh, I'm just so happy for you and, uh, that uh, I'm so happy that that experience was, uh, so positive and so enjoyable for not uh, just you, but for Brooke as well. So uh, I think that wives and significant others, girlfriends don't, always get to see that side they usually see the the side of freemasonry when when we're frustrated with something or you know uh uh some of that so for her to be able to kind of glimpse you know the more positive things that freemasonry has to offer i think is, is fantastic and i'm so happy she was able to join you for that experience yeah brooke talked about that just you know like you say, you know, wives, they may tag along sometimes and maybe not. But uh, I think it gave her a much greater understanding. And, and you know, and uh, and for both of us, I think we both realized it was a bigger deal, honestly, than I thought it was. It was I knew it was a great honor. And so I don't, you know, I still, you know, question am I worthy, you know, that whole. But I, I guess I just, it just took my whole understanding to another level. And, uh. You know, it's just, it's one of those just significant things in life that you'll, uh, you know, I always will cherish the fact that she was there to experience it with me, uh, just made it uh, all the better. So it was a really, really, really good time. And meeting brothers from all over the country, you know, that's, that's really awesome too. I mean, and, uh, you know, one thing I noticed in the, uh, with the Supreme Council, I, I didn't, I didn't know how many staff members they had. Frankly, I'd never thought about it. But they had a directory that had all, all of our pictures in it and had all of their pictures in it. And one of the things I that struck me was just how young the staff was. And I think that's, I don't know if that's a recent trend. I'm going to bet it is. But uh, the outgoing commander, uh, Dave Glatley, I know has had a lot to do with that. And you can tell. Supreme Council is going in a great direction. I just can't say enough good things about them and the support they're giving to the valleys, the blue lodges. They are putting out a full court press to try to sustain our fraternity in the long run and help it grow. And we've met all kinds of their staff was just all so kind and so nice to all of us. And, you know, you can't fake that with everybody. You know, sure, everybody's going to be nice, but just to a T, every one of them was. And uh, one of the surprise announcements was the retirement of Dave Glatley. He had served for, I think, about five years. And he uh, decided it was time for to retire. And, uh, you know, he, I mentioned it one time, I think, in probably in 2019, which was the last full travel year, he'd had 190 nights in a hotel. And so that tells you how busy these jobs are. They're very... Uh, you know, stressful because it's a very large organization and, and, uh, you know, he's not only running the staff, but, uh, you know, they have endowments and charities they run. And of course, the valley's all over the 15 states of the northern Masonic jurisdiction. He's actually seeing brothers. They travel, I know, to Florida and Arizona because, you know, obviously a lot of our brothers live there and they make connections and, uh, just do all kinds of work. So he announced, I think it was the last day that he was going to step down and a new commander uh, was going to be selected. And uh, so it was a surprise, but, you know, he has a well-deserved retirement and his legacy is going to be long on the impact he made, not only on the Scottish Rite nor the Masonic jurisdiction, but Blue Lodges around the world with the, uh, not just a man a, or a, you know, a Mason, or a man, a Mason campaign that uh, they did. So, Kudos to him and kudos to all of uh, of the brothers that were there. So I can't get off here without mentioning Travis Simpkins was there 
and he had uh, sent Todd Creason uh, one of his uh, portraits he drew of me. And I was surprised going back to the Homer Lodge meeting night that we talked about earlier. Todd presented that portrait to me, and I was just surprised. I had no idea. And uh, I sh- I didn't really share it too far until I actually got the 33rd. And then it, you know, my mom's like, well, that looks just like you. I'm like, yeah, I know. So it was, it's just, it's just stunning the work he does and how accurate the drawings are. And they're just so real life. And so it was fun. I got to talk to him for a little bit. He was in my class. So that's a cool honor that he and I will get to share being in that same 33rd degree class. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Travis and Janet, his wife, were out here for, was it spring of 2019 or fall of 2018? One of the reunions out here in Danville, uh, is, and uh, as you said, it was, uh, I know Travis, uh, previously he was writing for the, the Midnight Freemasons blog, uh, just uh, getting to, to meet him and Janet. They're both such friendly, warm people. And uh, yeah. it, it was uh, just really uh, a great time to, to get to, to meet him. We, I brought them out to Homer Lodge, and then we ate at uh, Gross Burgers in Danville, which they got a, a kick out of. So uh, whenever I... Uh, Whenever I talk to them, I always mention, uh, you know, they'll have to come back and get some more gross burger. But, uh, yeah. but anyway, um, I, I'm glad that uh, you got to see Travis, and uh, I hope he's doing well. Yeah. And from what I remember, he actually has a – I think his father had a family connection to Danville. So coming back to Danville was sort of a, you know, at least a, a reunion with his family tree. I don't know. I don't think there's anybody still there, but – he, his, his family had come through Danville at some point. I want to say his dad was born in in Alvin. Is that uh, okay? I think that's yeah. That's north. Yeah, of that's Danville. where uh, yeah. Brian Pettis lives, I believe. Uh, yep. So yeah, yep. Uh, yep. that's where uh, that's where I think that connection was uh, with Travis and Danville. But yeah, you're, you're correct. There's a, a connection there. Yeah. So that was my trip to Cleveland. And, uh, again, I just want to thank, uh, everybody that had a role in it. Uh, it'll be, it's one of those memories that I'll cherish honestly for a lifetime. I've gotten to do a lot of things, but there's not much can top that in, uh, in how it was uh, done. So Darren, your road adventure really, uh, just was just getting started. You were, I think, gone during that time. Part of I was too. Yeah. So my girlfriend, Lisa is a member of, uh, a professional organization, ATD, which is the Association for Talent Development, I believe. And Lisa, don't kill me if I got that wrong. But uh, they had their uh, national convention in Salt Lake City. So uh, when she learned that they actually had moved it due to COVID reasons from Los Angeles to Salt Lake City, and uh, we discussed earlier in the year possibility of maybe driving out there and in some national parks. And uh, so that's what we did. We drove from Illinois to Salt Lake City. Uh, we stopped uh, Minneapolis and Fargo, North Dakota. Um, Minneapolis uh, was, uh, I had been before, but really hadn't explored too much. It's a beautiful city. And Lisa's a pretty big Prince fan, so we had to stop by Paisley Park, which is uh, was his residence uh, there in the suburbs of Minneapolis, and uh, so she was able to see that. Uh, I went to, I was able to see in Fargo the uh, wood chipper, which is made famous in the movie Fargo by the Coen Brothers, and uh, also there's a. Uh, Limited uh, mini, I guess I'll call it a mini series or, or series on FX uh, based kind of uh, along the same, I won't say mythology, but kind of the same storytelling uh, mechanisms that, that the movie kind of uses. Um, the Actually, I believe the television show on FX is much, much better than the movie. Uh, the, the seasons that I've seen, I've seen three of the four. I've not watched the fourth season yet, but. Uh, so after Fargo, we ended up in Wall, South Dakota, and uh, went to the Badlands uh, National Park there, 
which uh, I will say uh, the the parks that I went to uh, was probably my favorite. After Badlands, we went to Devil's Tower National Monument. Uh, I'm sorry, we went to Mount Rushmore. We went to the Crazy Horse Monument. Then we went to Devil's Tower uh, National Monument. Uh, ended up the that night in Billings, Montana. Next day, went to Yellowstone. Drove from the north uh, entrance to Yellowstone to the south entrance down through a uh, part of uh, Grand Teton National Park and then through Jackson Hole, Wyoming, over to Idaho Falls. Uh, spent the night in Idaho Falls. The next day we drove to Craters of the Moon National Monument, uh, which is outside of Arco, Idaho. And I wrote an article about Arco, Idaho because Arco, Idaho was the first city in the world which was powered, albeit briefly, by atomic power. And uh, I found, uh, well, there in Arco, found the Masonic Lodge and uh, wrote an article about that. I thought it was pretty neat to, you know, be standing by the first Masonic Lodge uh, powered by atomic power and just kind of... uh, That article's been at Freemason's blog, if anybody's interested in looking at that. Uh, We drove then down to Salt Lake City and spent a few days in Salt Lake City while Lisa was at her convention. And obviously, Salt Lake City is uh, very uh, heavily uh, populated by the uh, LDS faith. And uh, Temple Square there was beautiful, although the temple was under construction. We were able to see uh, uh, that. We were able to to, uh, see where the Mormon... Tabernacle Choir performs, which is pretty interesting. There was a museum dedicated to the LDS faith, which was interesting. And I was able to uh, tour the Grand Lodge building there in Salt Lake City. And uh, there I met uh, most worshipful brother, uh, Lon Tibbetts. Lon is the past uh, Grand Master of the Grand Lodge of Utah and their current Grand Secretary, Lon graciously showed me around uh, the Salt Lake City Temple, and it was also a magnificent building. Uh, and I'm hoping uh, to uh, get some articles for the blog done on on this side of the the adventure. There's a lot of uh, history there in the Grand Lodge of Utah. Interestingly enough. I was working under the false assumption that uh, that there would be a that uh, the I guess relationship between the uh, the Grand Lodge of Utah and LDS was one that was tight based upon a lot of similarities and symbology that both the LDS religion and Freemasonry share, and that actually is not the case. So um, I'm hoping that Lon has agreed at some point to come on the podcast. I don't want to steal his thunder, but. Um, I did find out that it was only up until recently, the mid-80s, I believe, that uh, the Grand Lodge of Utah allowed in members of the LDS faith. And the first member to actually join the uh, lodge after, you know, successfully making it through uh, balloting without being blackballed was in 1989. So it's not been that very long, uh, about now uh, 30, I guess, two years, that that the Grand Lodge of Utah has allowed the LDS faith in, which I found fascinating. But the Grand Lodge building was was just a fascinating building. One of the things that I found fascinating about it is that each lodge room in that building has a physical representation of not only the winding staircase, but also of the middle chamber. And the middle chamber uh, is it exists above the, the lodge room, so you can actually look out... Uh, facing the, you know, lookout window above the lodge from that middle chamber room in these particular different lodge rooms and and see the east. And it's just, uh, like I said, it's just an amazing building. One bit of trivia Lon shared with me was that uh, a lot of uh, movies and such use some of their rooms there and actually one of the middle chamber rooms was mocked up as hannah montana's uh bedroom and uh this was i think for 
uh, the Miley Cyrus Hannah Montana movie that was filmed in the mid 2000s. I only know this because of having, you know, children. Uh, I used to watch that show. I think we probably watched the movie, but the actual concert footage was filmed in Salt Lake City. So I assume that they filmed some of the other stuff around it there. And that's why, uh, one of the middle chamber, uh, rooms was used, was mocked up as Hannah Montana's bedroom, which was, I just kind of found uh, really funny. Yeah. So after seeing that and, and touring that, the, the next day I went to the, uh, State Capitol building and walked around there. There are actually, uh, I believe, three uh, governors of this past governor's state of Utah that were Freemasons. And uh, so I was able to locate them because there were portraits in the Capitol Rotunda of all their of all their governors uh, from the past to the present. And uh, took some pictures of those. Uh, one of the fascinating things I found is that they have a mock-up of the Liberty Bell in the state capitol building there in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, a big display regarding the beehive, which the uh, beehive is, uh, obviously, we know of its meanings in uh, Freemasonry, but it is uh, has been adopted as uh, kind of one of the state's symbols of, of Utah, and you'll see the, the beehive uh, pretty prominently any place you go in Utah. It's on any of the, the state route signs, uh, a lot of the street signs, etc. Uh, it's all over, so that was pretty pretty fascinating to kind of see how they had uh, taken that symbol, uh, obviously, I think, from the LDS religion, but I think LDS had borrowed some of borrowed it from Freemasonry. And my own opinion, obviously. Uh, and so that was really neat to, to see those connections. Uh, also, uh, one of the other fascinating things about Salt Lake City was that the uh, Catholic Cathedral there, the Roman Catholic Cathedral there, is uh, named the Cathedral of the Magdalene. And it is the only cathedral in the United States dedicated to Mary Magdalene, who, um, as you know from... Uh, the New Testament was one of uh, the, I'll call her apostle of Jesus, uh, and um, she was the first one that Jesus appeared to after his resurrection. Depending on what you read or, or what you uh, believe, some people believe that uh, their relationship was more than just of uh, the apostolic nature, and uh you know, you'll, you can read, uh, many works on the Knights Templar where they, you know, that where it's postulated that, uh, they, uh, were, you know, much more into revering Mary Magdalene. Uh, but it was just kind of fascinating seeing this, this cathedral and the stained glass there was immaculate. The cathedral was immaculate. It was really, I was, raised Roman Catholic, and uh, I actually uh, had lit a candle for my grandparents and Lisa's departed grandparents and said uh, a few Hail Marys for for, uh, for for them, but it was really a, a neat experience. And the next night, uh, I was honored to be able to attend a reception of the Grandmaster of the state of Utah at Unity Lodge number 18 in Ogden, Utah. And prior to the meeting, I had dinner with Grandmaster uh, Most Worshipful Daniel Laws, his Deputy Grandmaster Right Worshipful Jason Allred, and the Junior Grand Warden Right Worshipful David Tingey, uh, as well as uh, aforementioned Lon Tibbetts. And um, then we went over to Ogden, Utah, and I watched uh, their Grandmaster get received by that lodge. The jurisdiction of Utah is very small. I want to say Lon told me that they had around 1,500 members. So that allows basically, I don't remember the number of lodges they have, but uh, it's a handful of lodges and that the Grandmaster does officially visit everyone, much like here in Illinois, we receive our deputy 
uh, District Deputy Grandmaster to all our lodges in his particular district. Uh, in the Grand Lodge of Utah, it's small enough that the Grandmaster actually goes and does an official visit to each of his lodges, which I thought was really cool. I'm not saying that uh, our Grandmaster should do that. I don't think uh, I think he would spend all his time visiting all the lodges in Illinois, but it was just neat to see that reception and see that occur. I was officially introduced as a guest, and that was really a humbling experience. I just can't say enough about that evening. It was really, really a fantastic meeting of a brotherhood. Um, there were two uh, short educational pieces that were read. It was just really, really just a fantastic evening, fantastic lodge room, great individuals all, all around, um, of all the elected officers and the appointed officers I met of that, uh, that evening. Really just uh, a great, great time. So, uh, after, after that, we went to Lisa and I, uh, along my son Spencer was along for the trip as well. We went to Arches National Park and Canyonlands National Park in Moab, Utah, which were both beautiful national parks and then made our way through Colorado and, uh, on home. So just, uh, just a fantastic trip. <laughs> it was just, uh, just beautiful beautiful country out there. I mean, being a boy from the flatlands here in Illinois, the Prairie State, land of Lincoln, it was so, so majestic out there. I was just breathtaking everywhere you look. Uh, just, just, just wide open spaces, big country, mountains, blue skies for the most part. It was really, really beautiful out there. And it was a, a trip uh, that I won't soon forget, and uh, I thank uh, Lisa for allowing Spencer and I to go on it. Well, so there you go. That's some of our little summer excursions. Uh, Darren and I had another one we're going to save for another episode about our trip to Kentucky and, and maybe involve gold and other stuff. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see what we uh, come up with for you on another episode, but Here's the theme I think you heard through all of this is that history, Freemasonry, travels, meeting new people, sharing new experiences, you know, what a great country we live in that you have the opportunity to go do this. And it doesn't matter where you go. We gave you examples of traveling to the East Coast, to the Midwest, to the West, and a local experience we had, again, with RJ and Steve and Homer. What just, you know, it's just what this fraternity opens doors to meet people and have those experiences. So I hope you get to do some of that. If you have interesting stories of something you did this summer or in the recent past you want to share, you can always find us on our Facebook page and leave a comment. Uh, be sure and check out also the Midnight Freemasons blog. We do three stories a week on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Some of those involve our travels or, uh, you know, other things about the craft. And so there's always something interesting out there. We've got 38 other episodes you can check out from Meet Acton Park uh, online if you're a new uh, listener. We're glad to have you here. But more importantly, uh, I want to wish everybody uh, a safe uh, and, and uh, I hope your health is well during all this uh, pandemic craziness. and. We're going to get through it. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm, I'm sure of it. But uh, anyway, I hope uh, you have a good day. And thank you for joining us on Meet, Act, and Part. Thank you for listening to Meet, Act, and Part. For more information about our show, visit our website at www.meetactandpart.com. While there, please consider supporting the show by sponsoring us on Patreon. Until we meet again, may we meet, act, and part. <laughs>